our message today. Let us, let us seek the Lord in prayer before we hope in the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that once again we can come into your house to worship you. As we open your word, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will inspire the thoughts and the words that comes from my lips and the hearers will hear just the message that you have for them today, dear Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The title that I gave the, less, the message is the God's Presence. God's Presence. And you'll see why I, I titled that as we go along in, the, in second, 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We are going to start at chapter 4. We are going to end at chapter 7. At the end of chapter 7. Some of you don't read your Bibles. Sorry, today you're going to get a chance to read your Bibles today. Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to go through some, some, some series of, of events as God demonstrates some things to his people. And we'll draw some lessons from it as we, as we conclude. But we see very first verse, it says there in chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, the word, the, and the, Lord, the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Are you with me? Yes. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Habak. Then the Philistines, read along with me in your Bible, uh, you get to cheat. You know, Nick liked to make you cheat on the screen. But I want you to pull out your actual Bible and read it with me. Okay? Heads down in your Bibles. <laughs> you know, for those who don't have a Bible, you can read the screen. Oh, Nick took it off. <laughs> then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle... Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. That's verse 2. Verse 3, and when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Mark that question. They were battle against the Philistines. They come in, why has the Lord defeated us? Just mark that. Let us bring, now mark this, let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. Verse 5, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the herd shook. Boo! They were very excited. Amen. Now the ark is with us. Nobody can touch us. They were so excited that the herd shook. Verse 6, and when the Philistines 
heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Verse 7, so the Philistines were afraid. They have all right to be. The ark of the covenant is in the camp. They're now afraid. God has come to the camp. And they said, woe to us. And this, uh, uh, for such a thing has never happened before. Verse 9, now verse 8, woe, uh, woe to us, they said woe two times, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? So the Philistines, they know who God is. They, they have fully aware that the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Right? Verse 5 tells us, verse, five, uh, verse 4, that he dwells between the cherubim. This is a representation of God's presence in the ark. And so the Philistines are fully aware that this is no ordinary occasion. They were what? Afraid. And they have all right, they had all right to be afraid. Verse nine, they're gonna console themselves. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines. Okay, so they're, they're trying to give themselves a motivation here. Be strong. Defend yourself. God is with them, but we are going to go against them. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was, verse 10, the Philistines fought, and Israel was, you, you, you're reading along with me? They were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30 thousand foot soldiers. Now, they complain in verse 3. Why has the Lord defeated us? And they decided, without any counsel, that they're going to go get the ark. And they're going to bring the ark to battle. And the ark is going to save them. Now, they're even defeated greater than before with the ark in their presence. Hmm, what's happening? What's happening? So the Philistines, the Philistines defeated, verse 11, and the ark, and now this is a travesty. This is a travesty. Some of you have already gone past what we're reading. So also the ark of God was captured. So not only they were they defeated, the ark of the covenant was captured by the Philistines. Ooh, this is serious business. What they thought was their protection is now gone. They're defeated, 30,000 soldiers dead. Then the men of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now he's mourning. That's what the, that's what the Bible calls sackcloth and ashes. He's mourning because Israel was greatly defeated and not only defeated, 
but God's presence was taken away from them. Hmm. Interesting story. Interesting story how that they thought just having the ark in their camp could be the means to defeat the enemy. God was teaching them a lesson. God was teaching them a lesson. We'll get to that in chapter 7. God is teaching them a lesson. Now, we, need, we can learn from this lesson today. Sometimes we believe that just having the Bible on our, you know, just having the Bible, just like that, that's protection. Some of us, we put it on our head table or side bed tables, you know, like the, the Bible has some magical power to uh, defeat the enemy. Tell me if you think the Bible has magical power to defeat the enemy. Does the Bible have magical power to defeat the enemy? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, preacher. Thank you, preacher. So if the Bible just sit there, just gathering dust, it's of no use. No use whatsoever. The, the sword has to be imparted into our lives. So, the presence of God was in the ark, but the presence of God was missing from the people. The presence of God was in the ark, but the presence of God was missing from the people. The, the ark was in their presence, but they did not have God. They wanted the ark to be an object, but the one that the ark represented, they did not know. They did not know. We are, we are, we can be in the same predicament. We can find ourselves in the same predicament. We dress up nicely, come to church, but we don't have God in our lives. It's important that we know God on a personal level, the presence of God residing in my life, in my life. And we're going to see the difference when God's presence is within, the difference that it makes as we go, as we move along. But we see here, I'm not going to read all of it. You can continue reading some of these passages as you go home today or in the week. But as you can see, the ark was captured. The ark was captured. Eli's sons, they were killed. The news got to Eli. He fell over. He died. One of the sons' wife was pregnant. She gave birth and died in child's birth. It was a, it was a terrible day for Israel. As you continue reading that chapter, chapter 4. The Philistines, verse five, chapter 5, the Philistines. The Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to Ebenezer, brought it from Ebenezer to where? To Ashdod. When the Philistines, verse 2, took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. You know who Dagon is? That's a pagan god. Okay? So they brought the ark of God, the presence of the creator, mighty God, in the presence of this creature. This piece of wood that they're worshiping as God. 
And some of you already read, read this. Verse 3. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon falling on his face to the hurt before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. Okay? Lesson number one. You cannot put unholy things in the presence of God. And so verse 4, and when they arose early, day number 2, there was Dagon falling on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off. You cannot put holy things in the presence of the Most High God. Unholy things. Pardon me. You cannot put unholy things. Serious consequences can result from bringing unholy things in the presence of the most holy God. And we see Dagon is, is destroyed in the presence of God. Therefore, let, let, let me not jump over that verse. His palms were broken off. Threshold, only Dagon's torso was left. <laughs> Boom. Everything, just, all you saw was just this part right here. Dagon is no more. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Now they were afraid. Now they were afraid. But the hand of the Lord... Listen to this verse, verse 6. Verse 6 of chapter 5, 1 Samuel. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod. And he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and his territory. Not because they captured the Ark of the Covenant. They thought by capturing it, they could be saved from God they realize really quickly God is a mighty warrior that does not need any help from human beings. No help from human beings is necessary. And you, as you will see when we get to chapter 7. And we see as we go on with this story, they were now lamenting what to do with the ark. What are we going to do with this ark? We have to get it out of here. And so they called together the Philistines, the lords, and said, what shall, verse 8, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gat. So they carried the ark of God away, of Israel away. So, verse 9, so it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. They realized that anywhere this ark goes, God is going to visit you. Verse 10. 
So therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it was, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that Ekronites cried out, saying, they have brought the ark of the God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. <laughs> Nobody wants the ark because they know what danger lies in having the ark, the holy presence of God. In a heathen, idol-worshipping, Baal worshiping society. And so they know. Don't, we don't want it here. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistine, verse 11, and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now they're saying the right thing. Let this ark go back to where it came from. We cannot handle it. We cannot handle it. For let it go back to the home, uh, so it does not kill us. Verse eleven, for the these was a deadly for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of the Lord was was heavy there. Are you reading along with me? Are you falling falling asleep? You know. Let me let me just say this. Some of you use the Bible as a lullaby. You know, when you want to fall asleep. You pick up the Bible and start reading, and you, and you fall asleep. Say amen if that's you. <laughs> so, Brother Earl, <coughs> thank you for your honesty, brother. If you don't want to fall asleep, you have to get up out of bed. <coughs> you have to find you a comfortable seat where you're not too comfortable and read the Bible there. If you're laying down, uh, chances are uh, Casey going to take the Bible off your lap. <laughs> anyway, so we, we see here verse, verse 12 of chapter 5. And the men who did not die were stricken with tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Chapter 6, verse 1, now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Seven months of terror. Seven months of terror, and they couldn't get, a, get rid of it fast enough. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. Now, these are heathen people. These are heathen people who knows not to send the Ark of the Covenant back empty-handed. They know it. See, now they're going to make golden this and golden that. Because they know an offering needs to go back with this Ark. They know it. You know, some of us, we, you know, we trade on that. We don't want to give God his offering that's due to him. I won't go to a sermon on that one. But... They are going, they're sending it back and they're planning, okay, we're going to put golden tumors and golden rocks. These are heathen people. See, they're doing the best. Even, even though it's golden, it's still, they're trying to appease their God in the process. Golden rocks. What golden rock has to do with this? Just put the gold in there, the golden nugget in there. But they want to represent their God. But God knows the gold is good. <coughs> Give me the gold. 
I'll take the gold. The, rat, the, the image of the rat don't mean anything. Then they said, what is the trespass offering? See what I'm saying, verse 4? What is the trespass offering? They know they have done something wrong. Now they know they need to pay up. So they're going to put golden tumors and golden rat in with the ark to send it back. We got to get rid of this ark out of here. We got to send it back with our trespass offering because we know we have done wrong. God, what it says, verse, verse 12 of chapter 5, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them. They knew it. They knew it. Without a doubt, they knew that God's presence was there and they felt it in no uncertain way. Have you felt the presence of the Lord lately? On your knees as you see God's working in your own life? And you can testify that God has been good. Amen. Amen. So we see the hand of the Lord on them, and they are now sending back the ark. I'm not going to read chapters, all of chapter 6, spare you the trouble. You can go home and do lullabies on that one. Um, as we look, we see they are preparing to send the ark back, but they are debating how, how can we send it back? How, how do we operate this? Because we know we can't even come close to it. So they gathered together and they decided, let's get two mother cows, put this ark on a cart, and if we take their calves away and lock up the calves and send the cows off, you can read it right there. If the, if the cows take the, the ark of the covenant and continue on its way, then we know we're good. We're good and clear. And that's what they did. And guess what? Those cows, they march on out of Philistine's land and all the way back to Israel. And there you have it. Israel, they were happy when the heart came. They know, okay, the presence of the Lord has returned. And so we get to... We see also as the, the ark returns, the, the, this, is a loaded, this is a loaded story. As the ark returned to Israel, something happened there. Verse 20 of chapter 6. And the men of Beth Shemeth said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? So the ark is now back in Israel, and the Israelites, they already know this is a presence that is holy. Who is able to stand before it? And whom shall it go to up from us? And so they sent messengers. Messengers went out to come and get this ark. We need it out of our territory because we know we are not worthy to have it here. Chapter 7 is where we're going to kind of wrap up here. We're not going to read all of it, but we're going to go through a couple of the verses. The ark is now back in Israel's territory. Then the men of, verse 1, Then the men of Kirjat Germs came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abimadad on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. Right? So the right person now is consecrated to keep the ark of the Lord. 
Verse 2, and it was that when the ark remained in Kerjic, Jerem, a long time, it was there 20 years. It's a long time. And the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Key verse number 3. Number 3 of chapter 7. 1 Samuel. We're still in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. Then Samuel, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Back in chapter 4, they did not go to Samuel. I want you to observe that. They came up on their own plan that they're going to go get the ark because the magical power of the ark will save them. And they were defeated. Now we see in chapter 7, they realize that just having the ark is not good enough. And Samuel is giving them instruction as to what needs to happen. See right there in verse 3. If you return, if you return to the Lord, how? With all your hearts. No half-hearted returning. No sidestepping. No off-stepping. One day you are holy, the next day you are not. God can't work with that. Return with all, all of it. And put away. Today, as we, as we look at this verse, what do we need to put away in our lives that is offensive to God? What is it? What kind of idol? It may not be the image of, of Dagon, but it might be another image of something. What is it? Search our own hearts. What is it that we need to put away? What is hindering us from having that full commitment to God that he requires? Serve him only. That's verse 3. It says serve him only. Some of us, we are serving God and we are kind of tippy-toeing. God wants dedication. Dedication. Verse 4. So the children of the the children of Israel put away, put away what? Bells and asterisks and serve the Lord only. Asterisks are all these female goddesses that they were worshiping. And Samuel, Samuel said to them in verse 5. Gather all Israel to Mizpah. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So just follow the sequence there. Samuel told them what they needed to do in verse 3. Verse 4, they did what Samuel told them to do. Did you see that? Now Samuel is going to intercede on their behalf. 
So they gathered together at Mispah, verse 6, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day and said, there, we have sinned. That's number one. We have to confess our sins before God. We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mispah. And verse 7 now, see, I want you to follow along with me. Verse 7, now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel are gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. <laughs> They're still afraid. Are you afraid today? Anybody here afraid? Your enemies on your tail, are you afraid? Sometimes you get afraid. Yes, it's, it's okay. Don't, don't, it's not a bad thing to be afraid. Now, God don't want us to be afraid, but sometimes we get afraid. Some of us, we're brave, but some of us, not so brave. You're not going to say amen, but that's okay. You know, some, some of us, we are afraid of snakes. Mm -hmm. You're going to say amen on that, huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Afraid of snakes. And the snake is afraid of you. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a dual enmity. <laughs> but but you, they're not going to find out? You're not going to find out? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I saw a snake this week. I saw a snake this week. And... I was not afraid. I was in <laughs> I was inside and he was outside. <laughs> he was outside. I saw him creeping along outside. And I was inside. And unfortunately I was in a meeting are fortunately for him. I was in the meeting. And I watched this snake crawl and crawl and crawl. It was about this, this long snake. And he actually climbed up into a tree. I was like surprised. I had never seen this before. He actually got himself all the way up in the tree. And I'm saying, why well, don't have my BB gun to shoot him out of there? <laughs> but he got away, he got away. He better stay away because I don't play with snakes. As they would say, the only good snake is a dead snake. That's my book. Some people, they love snake. I don't. The enmity continues. <laughs> anyway, so we... <laughs> We're afraid, they're afraid, and, and when we are afraid, God wants us to call on him. God wants us to call on him. Sometimes we can become afraid, genuinely afraid, but God wants us to call on him. So look at verse 8, look at verse 8. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, 
that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Is that a good request? You know, some of us, we are reluctant to ask the church for prayer. I'll continue on. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord, the Lord answered him. Verse 10, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcame before Israel. What did the Lord use to overcome the Israelites, the, the Philistines? A thunder, a thunder. Just a thunder. Now, you see why God, when God fight our battles for us, he doesn't need no javelin missile. Some of you have been watching too much of the Ukraine war, <laughs> including me. Yeah, it's a... You know, you go all these, you know, uh, switchblade drone. God doesn't, God invented those things. Switchblade drones. Yes, God can take you out with, without you seeing anything. Just the thunder rolls and they are discombobulated. <laughs> right? God just destroyed them just like that with a, with a, with a roll of thunder. Some of you are afraid of thunder. <laughs> it's, in Texas, it's a good thing to be afraid of thunder. Because when the thunder sounds, it means you could have lightning strike and all these other things that could cause problems. So take cover. You hear the thunder rolling? Look out. Be careful where you are. And so we, we, we come to the, to, the, to the point of the lesson here. We see the Philistines are now defeated. Why? Why? I'm hearing all sort of sounds. Somebody give me one answer. Because the people returned to God. If we find ourselves being defeated by the enemy, Let's check to make sure the presence of God is, is right here. Not just having the Bible on our coffee table, side end table. Some of us, we only have the Bible on the app nowadays. <clears throat> it's okay to have it on the app as long as you read it. The word of God needs to be in our hearts so that we can be able to use it to quench the fiery darts of who? The enemy. When we know that God can fight for us. When the enemy comes up against us. God can defeat him. And the enemy won't even know what hit him. Because we have a God who is looking out for us. Amen. And I, 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 we see from this point forward. Until Samuel 
is gone away from the scene, the Philistines were kept under control. Amen? So we see when we are committed to God, yes, the enemy won't disappear, but God can keep them under control. Amen? He can keep them under control when we know that we are totally committed to God. God can fight our battles for us. I, I, I will close with this chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. And we'll wrap this up with that, with that verse. These couple of verses here. And uh, the, this is what Samuel probably read and know that God will do the, do the, the battle. Look at verse 20, uh, chapter 20 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. And when you go out to battle against your enemies and see the horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So, verse 2, so it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach the, and speak to the people. Verse 3, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, is who goes with you to fight for you against all your enemies. And to do what? And to save you and give you victory. So we serve a God who is a mighty warrior. Who has never lost a battle. Never lost a battle. So it doesn't matter what our battles are. Turn it over to God. Sometimes it's not physical. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's emotional. Depend. Many different type of battles are wrought. Sometimes it's in the workplace. Whatever the, the battle, let's turn it over to the God who is the champion, who is the winner. If you want to take a stand for the winning side this morning, pl please raise your hand. Raise your hand and say, I am on the winning side because I have God with me. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a winner. Thank you, Lord, that one day soon, when all wars will be over, we will be with you throughout eternity. Thank you for the assurances that we have in your word that you will always be victorious. Help us to recognize and realize that in our own lives each day as we give you honor and we give you praise. Be with us, Lord, as we go to our homes. May your grace be upon each one of us is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Let God's people say amen. Please be seated.